Welcome to the Arborist News audio podcast brought to you by the International Society of Arboriculture. This audio version of the Arborist News CEU article is voiced by Paul Johnson, Urban Forestry Program Coordinator with Texas A&M Forest Service. This month's article is Understanding Tree Response to Abiotic and Biotic Stress Complexes by Daniel A. Herms. Learning Objectives Differentiate among and describe categories of types of environmental stress. Describe the adaptive responses of trees to stress. Describe how different stresses affect trees in different ways. Identify traits by which trees defend themselves from insects and disease. Explain the relationship among tree growth, photosynthesis, pest resistance, and stress tolerance. Abiotic factors such as nutrient availability, soil moisture, temperature, and pollution interact with biotic factors such as insects and disease to form stress complexes that impact tree health. The idea that rapidly growing trees are the most pest-resistant and stress-tolerant is highly ingrained. But is that always true? Although clearly true in some cases, a large number of studies show that, in many situations, rapidly growing trees are less resistant to pests and less tolerant of stress. The same cultural practices generally thought to enhance insect resistance, such as fertilization, often increase tree susceptibility to insects and other stresses. Effective use of fertilization and other cultural practices in a tree healthcare program requires a sound understanding of their effects on tree physiology. This article discusses physiological responses of trees to stress factors, the natural defenses of trees to pests, and how environmental stress factors and cultural practices can interact with tree defenses to affect the long-term growth and survival of trees in the landscape. The purpose is to help the reader understand the complex interactions that occur among trees, stress, and pests, and the implications of these interactions for effective plant health care in a low-maintenance landscape. Through the process of photosynthesis, light energy is used to produce sugars from carbon dioxide obtained from the atmosphere. These simple sugars are then used to manufacture the complex carbohydrates, lipids, amino acids, proteins, defensive compounds, and other biochemical building blocks of cells, leaves, bark branches, and roots. All trees need the same basic resources to sustain photosynthesis, water, essential nutrients, and light. Environmental stress can be defined as an external force, stress factor, that limits the ability of the tree to acquire these essential resources from the environment. Stress occurs in two general ways. One, when there are shortages of essential resources in the environment, including water during drought, nutrients in deficient soils, and light in the forest understory, and two, when environmental factors limit the uptake of resources that are otherwise present in adequate supply. Such factors include air pollution, which limits photosynthesis because of toxic effects on plant cells, and soil pH, which can limit nutrient uptake for some species. Stress factors, e.g. excess or inadequate soil moisture, inadequate nutrient availability, defoliation, ozone, and their effects, e.g. decreased growth, limited photosynthesis, can be measured and vary in intensity from weak to strong and in duration from short-lived to chronic. Over time, a species evolves to adapt to stress factors. Hence, in the same environment, one species may be stressed and another not. For example, bald cypress, Taxodium distichum, grows well on flooded sites where most other trees would not survive, and rhododendrons, rhododendron species, experience nutrient deficiencies in alkaline soils where other species perform well. Flowering dogwood, Cornus florida, and sugar maple, Acer sacrum, exist quite well in the same shaded forest understory where the intolerant paper birch, Betula paperifera, would decline rapidly. A key point in understanding how trees respond to stress is to recognize that trees and other plants have limited resources to support their physiological processes. 
it has been widely observed that the shoot growth of trees decreases in years of heavy fruiting and that significant root growth and accumulation of storage carbohydrates do not occur until shoot growth slows. Just as a family must budget its limited income across food, clothing, shelter, and other essential categories, a tree has limited income that must be budgeted across various competing processes, such as growth, maintenance, reproduction, storage, and defense. If, for example, more income is allocated to growth, then less is available to support storage and defense. Trees are programmed to respond to increased availability of nutrients, water, and light by increasing their growth rate. Trees are capable of extremely rapid growth when nutrients and water are plentiful and, if given the opportunity, will overindulge, growing so quickly as to be physiologically out of balance with their environment. This phenomenon is demonstrated in the extreme by the accelerated growth regimes sometimes used in nursery production. Because the processes, e.g. protein synthesis, necessary for growth require substantial resources, rapidly growing trees have fewer resources available for the production of support structures. Laden with succulent growth, such trees must be staked until growth slows, until bark, lignin, and cellulose are produced and the trees harden. To obtain carbon from the atmosphere, a tree must intercept light from which it can derive the energy necessary to drive photosynthesis. All other things being equal, the greater the total surface area of leaves on the tree, depending on both the size and total number of leaves, the more light the tree can intercept and the more carbon it can capture from the atmosphere during photosynthesis. Hence, the growth rate of trees is a function of the tree's total leaf area, as well as the net rate of photosynthesis of each leaf. The production of new leaf tissue requires a generous supply of nutrients necessary to drive protein synthesis. As such, growth is sensitive to nutrient stress. Nutrient stress decreases tree growth both by decreasing the total number of leaves per tree and the area of individual leaves. Photosynthesis, which can continue in already existing leaves, is much less sensitive than growth to nutrient stress and does not become limited until stress becomes severe. Severe nutrient deficiency limits photosynthesis because nitrogen, phosphorus, iron, manganese, and other essential elements are required for the production of photosynthetic enzymes and chlorophyll. The nutrient status of the soil determines the potential total leaf area and carbon acquisition a tree can achieve on a particular site. Soil water content determines the degree to which a tree will reach that potential during a particular year. Tree growth can be extremely sensitive to water stress when it occurs at critical times during the growing season. High turgor pressure is necessary for cell expansion, and the presence of water is necessary for all biochemical processes upon which growth depends. Therefore, growth can be limited by even mild water deficits. As mentioned previously, photosynthesis is much less sensitive to water stress than is growth, becoming limited only when drought stress becomes more severe. As water stress increases, photosynthesis becomes limited by closure of stomata, which conserve water by decreasing transpiration. At the same time, however, stomata closure prevents uptake of carbon dioxide from the atmosphere. Severe water stress can also directly damage photosynthetic machinery, sometimes irreversibly. Because fertilization stimulates shoot growth to a greater degree than root growth, fertilization can simultaneously increase a tree's water demands while decreasing its ability to acquire water during drought. Consequently, fertilized trees that are not irrigated may be especially susceptible to drought stress. Indeed, a number of studies have shown fertilization to decrease the tolerance of trees to drought stress. Recognizing that water and nutrient availability have different effects on growth than they do on photosynthesis is key to understanding how trees respond to stress. Growth is more sensitive to stress than is photosynthesis, and as a result can be severely limited by stress that has little effect on photosynthesis. 
Growth is usually defined as the process of cell division and cell enlargement, and it leads to an increase in the number and or size of tree structures, including leaves and meristems. However, it is important to realize that trees under moderate nutrient and or moisture stress can increase their biomass substantially through carbon acquisition via photosynthesis even when they are not quote-unquote growing. The tree accomplishes this by increasing the density of existing cells, for example by producing thicker cell walls and cuticles, and by accumulating storage carbohydrates and defensive compounds. Severe stress limits carbon acquisition as well as growth. Shade limits photosynthesis in non-adapted species by decreasing available light. Severe nutrient deficiency reduces photosynthesis by limiting the plant's ability to manufacture photosynthetic enzymes and chlorophyll. Sustained drought limits carbon uptake by triggering closure of stomata and in severe cases by directly damaging photosynthetic machinery. Ozone, the most important air pollutant affecting tree health, also damages photosynthetic machinery. Defoliation decreases carbon acquisition by decreasing total leaf area. Although trees tolerate mild defoliation, up to 50% with few noticeable effects, severe defoliation decreases tree growth, energy reserves, rates of wound closure, and resistance to secondary pests such as wood borers, root rot, and canker fungi. In severe situations, mortality occurs. Early season defoliation, just as leaves fully expand and energy reserves are low, is particularly damaging. Some studies indicate that mid to late season defoliation can also be quite stressful. Deciduous trees often refoliate following severe defoliation. Refoliation depletes stored energy reserves, but carbohydrates are replenished by the new canopy. Because of such compensatory mechanisms, deciduous trees with adequate energy reserves can survive several successive years of complete defoliation, although they will be severely stressed. Evergreen conifers, on the other hand, can be killed by one severe defoliation because they have much more invested in their canopies, which can hold several years' worth of foliage. Furthermore, conifers store a greater proportion of energy and nutrients in their canopy than do deciduous trees. The loss of the canopy and its stores of nutrients and energy represent an extremely severe stress for conifers. In most temperate forest ecosystems, tree growth is nutrient-limited and summer drought is a predictable fact of life. These stresses are a natural part of tree existence and trees are well adapted for dealing with them. For example, as water stress develops, many tree species can maintain high turgor pressure in their leaves by increasing the concentration of certain dissolved substances in their cells, causing more water to flow into them. By maintaining high turgor pressure through this process of osmotic adjustment, trees prevent wilting from occurring as stomata remain open, allowing water uptake and photosynthesis to continue as the soil dries. This response is generally stronger if water deficits develop gradually and if plants are preconditioned by previous exposure to drought. Moisture stress and limited nutrient availability increase root growth relative to shoot growth. This response decreases leaf area but increases nutrient uptake and the quantity of nutrients available for existing foliage. As a result, high rates of photosynthesis are maintained, storage carbohydrates accumulate, and stress tolerance is enhanced by the increased root-shoot ratio. Many trees also adapt to changes in light availability. Some trees, when growing in shaded environments, produce thinner but larger leaves than when growing in full sun. This allows trees to maximize the amount of intercepted light. The trade-off between increased leaf area and decreased photosynthetic rate is of little consequence because high rates of photosynthesis are already constrained by low light intensity. Furthermore, the photosynthetic machinery of plants adapted to the forest understory is designed to take full advantage of transient light flex that penetrate the canopy. Plants adapted to full sun are unable to respond quickly enough to take advantage of this fleeting resource. 
However, when placed suddenly in full sun, shade-adapted plants can be injured by their inability to dissipate excessive photosynthetic energy. Several factors interact to affect the ability of the tree to acclimate to stress, including response time of the plant trait. The duration and intensity are also key. Stomata can respond to transient drought stress within minutes, while leaf morphology adjusts to chronic shade over months to years. The predictability of stress is probably also important, although few studies have addressed it. It would be interesting to know, for example, how fertilizing in some years, but not others, affects traits such as root-shoot ratio. Could trees be quote-unquote confused by unpredictable environments, such that their ability to acclimate to stress is impaired? Tree resistance to insects and disease result from the interaction of multifaceted physical and chemical defenses, including thorns and spines, foliar pubescence, toughened cuticle, indigestible structures, e.g. cellulose and lignin, and perhaps most important, the toxic and deterrent effects of alleliochemicals. Alleliochemicals, also known as secondary metabolites, are chemical substances produced by plants and other organisms that, among other functions, protect them from their natural enemies. Thousands of such compounds have been isolated from plants, including tannins and other phenolic compounds, terpenes, e.g. pine resins, the essential oils of mints, and the anti-cancer compound taxol, alkaloids, e.g. nicotine and morphine, cyanogenic compounds, cyanide-producing chemicals, and many others. The defensive role of these compounds against insects, pathogens, and mammals is well documented. Indeed, several such compounds have been used as natural insecticides, including nicotine, pyrethrin, rotenone, and pepper extracts. It has been widely proposed that environmental stress decreases tree resistance to insects and disease by weakening natural tree defenses. This view has proven to be a dramatic and often erroneous oversimplification. Many studies have found that concentrations of alleliochemicals and insect resistance actually increase in response to nutrient limitation, drought, defoliation, and other stresses. In other cases, stress does weaken tree defenses to insects and pathogens. Understanding how stress affects insect and disease resistance requires a basic understanding of how trees respond physiologically to stress and how tree defenses are tied to these responses. Considerable evidence is accumulating that indicates an understanding of the effects of stress on insect and disease resistance requires understanding the effects of stress on the relationship between growth and photosynthesis. Moderate stress generally increases tree resistance to leaf chewing and sucking insects. Why? In rapidly growing trees, resources used to support growth are not available for defense. But as we have seen, photosynthesis is not as sensitive to stress as growth is. Thus, when moderate nutrient or drought stress limits growth, photosynthate can't be diverted to growth processes and carbohydrates accumulate in the plant. The carbohydrates can then be used to produce the increased concentrations of alleliochemicals and storage compounds that enhance tree resistance to insects and stress. Severe stress, on the other hand, by decreasing carbon assimilation, decreases the amount of energy to support defense as well as growth and has been shown to decrease tree resistance to insects and disease. Numerous studies provide strong evidence that fertilization decreases tree resistance to both chewing and sucking insects. Highly controlled experiments with numerous tree species, including willow, birch, aspen, fir, and pine, have shown fertilization to increase growth and decrease concentrations of defensive chemicals and insect resistance. Plant resistance to disease is also generally, but not always, decreased by fertilization, again because fertilization diverts resources away from chemical defense. When nutrient stress is severe, fertilization can increase tree resistance to defoliating insects. 
In two studies conducted on extremely nutrient-deficient soils, fertilization of pine trees increased tree growth, concentrations of defensive compounds, and insect resistance. On such sites, photosynthetic rates of conifers often increase in response to fertilization, which would result in an increased pool of photosynthate available to support both growth and defense. While the results of drought stress studies are more varied than those of fertilization studies, there is little data to support the widely held idea that drought stress triggers outbreaks of defoliating insects by weakening tree defenses. Some studies have shown drought stress to increase levels of alleliochemicals and tree resistance to leaf-feeding insects. In many cases, drought stress had little or no effect. Aphid and spider mite populations often increase during drought, perhaps because the higher temperatures often associated with drought allow these pests to grow and reproduce at a faster rate. Decreased mortality resulting from drowning and dislodging the pest by rain may also play a role. Most studies have found that when sun-adapted trees are grown in shade, their photosynthesis rates decline dramatically, as do their concentrations of alleliochemicals and their resistance to insects and disease. Conversely, shade-adaptive plants growing in full sun may be stressed. Flowering dogwood, which is native to the forest understory, lacks the adaptive mechanisms for tolerating the effects of midday water stress that is characteristic of trees adapted to full sun. Probably for this reason, dogwoods planted in full sun are more susceptible to attack by dogwood borer than those planted in at least partial shade. Bark beetles, wood borers, and trunk diseases are devastating to trees and therefore deserve special attention. These organisms disrupt transport of water and nutrients in the xylem and phloem, often with fatal consequences. Bark beetles and wood borers feed on phloem tissue, thus girdling the tree. Girdling disrupts the translocation of carbohydrates from the canopy to the roots, resulting in root mortality and decreased nutrient and water uptake, and eventually leading to tree death. Vascular wilt fungi, such as Dutch elm disease, disrupt xylem transport, thereby disrupting water transport from the roots to the canopy, which can rapidly kill the tree. Because a tree can tolerate little injury to its vascular system, it must have powerful defenses against these organisms. Cells damaged by insect feeding or pathogen infection rapidly accumulate alleliochemicals toxic to the invading pests. This response is accompanied by the production of wound periderm, callus tissue, which isolates the wound, inhibits the spread of colonizing organisms, and reestablishes cambium integrity. Many conifers also have a network of ducts containing terpene resins that can help repel bark beetles. Strong defensive responses by tree trunks require substantial expenditures of energy the supply of which is rapidly depleted in cells close to the point of attack. Hence, strong tree defenses depend on high rates of photosynthesis and rapid translocation of current photosynthate from the canopy to the trunk. In particular, drought stress and defoliation decrease tree resistance to wood borers and canker fungi. However, evidence suggests that fertilization has little direct effect on tree resistance to bark beetles or wood borers. Because fertilization can increase the susceptibility of trees to drought stress, fertilization of trees that will not be irrigated during droughts may predispose them to attack by trunk invaders. A major challenge facing the green industry is defining, measuring, and maintaining tree health. Traditional views have equated rapid growth with tree vitality. As a result, cultural recommendations have emphasized practices that maximize growth rate. However, fast growth may not be consistent with long-term health and survival of trees in a low-maintenance landscape. Rapid growth demands a high proportion of tree resources, which diverts those resources from storage and defense. In many cases, fast-growing trees are more susceptible to stress and less resistant to pests. As a result, fertilized trees may require regular irrigation and pesticide application. In particular, the role of fertilization in low-maintenance plant health care programs needs to be reevaluated. 
Trees growing under conservative nutrient regimes with adequate soil moisture have high rates of photosynthesis and biomass accumulation, yet moderate rates of growth. Rather than maximizing shoot growth and leaf area, the tree uses this carbon to produce higher levels of stored carbohydrates and defensive chemicals, as well as more extensive root systems. With higher levels of stored carbohydrates, the tree also will be in a better position to recover from a pest outbreak, should one occur. On the other hand, trees and landscapes that are regularly fertilized but seldom irrigated will produce vigorous shoot growth in the springtime when soil moisture is plentiful, but will do so at the expense of root growth and the production of defensive chemicals. Such practices create a tree that is more sensitive to midsummer droughts and potentially more susceptible to wood borers and trunk diseases. Fertilization programs should be applied only with an understanding of potential consequences for pest resistance and stress tolerance, and only when soil and foliar tests confirm that trees will respond to increased nutrient availability in the desired manner. Unless trees are showing visible symptoms of nutrient deficiency, fertilization will increase growth without increasing photosynthesis and then only if other factors are not limiting growth. Fertilizers are most effective when foliar and soil testing reveal, one, which essential nutrient is causing the deficiency symptom, and two, clarify that the deficiency is actually caused by a shortage of the nutrient in the environment rather than by some other environmental factor, including soil pH, soil temperature, soil moisture, interactions among nutrients present in excess, preventing the tree from taking up nutrients otherwise present in adequate supply. The use of drought-tolerant species in landscape designs and irrigation during periods of drought is an important component of a tree health care program. Intense drought stress decreases carbon acquisition as well as growth, which will severely stress the tree and decrease resistance to devastating trunk-invading insects and pathogens. Consideration of the evolutionary history of a tree species when designing landscapes is also a critical component of a comprehensive tree health care program. Trees display great ability to adapt to stresses that are a predictable part of their natural environments. On the other hand, they often have little ability to adapt to stresses characteristic of environments to which they are not adapted. Early successional trees adapted to full sun, such as paper birch, show little ability to tolerate shade. Upland species, such as sugar maples, are sensitive to low soil oxygen levels that are tolerated by lowland species like red maple, Acer rubrum. It's time to shift from the paradigm that rapid growth always equals a healthy tree. It must be recognized that rapid growth can also have its own consequences and that moderate stress resulting in balanced growth has its benefits. It is clear that the stress tolerance and pest resistance of trees can be enhanced through properly utilized cultural practices, but their most effective use requires a sound understanding of the physiological responses of plants to the environmental factors being manipulated. Thank you for listening to this month's Arborist News audio podcast. An online quiz worth one CEU is available now to current ISA members and will become available to non-members in December of 2017. Visit the ISA web store and search for online quizzes for the most recent CEU opportunities. Arborist News is ISA's bi-monthly serial publication that provides readers with the latest in arboriculture news and education. This magazine is an ISA member benefit and offers opportunities for ISA credential holders to earn CEUs. Become a member today to start receiving Arborist News in your mailbox or your inbox. Please check back for the next Arborist News audio.